Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. It's uh, it's Monday, December 18th, 2017. What did you think about Star Wars? I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Everybody has a lot of thoughts. Yeah, apparently everyone and their mother has a lot of thoughts. Yes. Um, so how do we begin? How do we start talking about The Last Jedi? I don't know, man. I just got to start off by saying that this was a tough one for me. Uh-huh. I think it was a tough one for a lot of people. Yeah. From the sounds of it. So let's start with let's start with a step back, right? A step back okay. and say where okay. we're at, the landscape. The internet has exploded. <laughs> yes. Much like Alderaan. Uh and is pitted pit brother against brother. Reviews ranging from best Star Wars movie ever to worse than the prequels. We are sitting at a ninety three percent critical rating on critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a sub sixty percent rating for audience. Not always the most trustworthy thing. I'll say yes, but. because there and, and I was just reading an article before we started that suggests that there are some coordinated review bombing going on. Yeah, and I don't doubt that. However, I will say that anecdotally amongst friends and coworkers, I see a pretty even split in reaction from terrible to eh to amazing. See, I've only heard amazing or fine. I haven't heard anyone in person uh say it was terrible interesting so anyway it's a mess out there yes in a way that you know i don't know if it's ever been this messy before because it's pretty i mean there's there's been some like ones that are eh, it's hard to say it's okay but or it's pretty black and white terrible or great yeah um and i have some theories about why people are so divided i also have some theories so why don't we talk about what we think before we start putting trying to interpret the the private thoughts of the rest of the world <laughs> where do you fall on the spectrum of worse than the prequels to better than empire so i really struggle with this because there were parts that i thought were goddamn amazing like best scenes in a star wars movie amazing and then i thought there were parts that were pretty damn bad like rivaling prequels bad in in maybe not so much in like mechanics necessarily uh but you know because the prequels are not particularly well filmed or edited or directed or casted right. or written but more just like this didn't stick for me none of this stuck for me kind of stuff so i guess that sort of averages out to it was all right okay but it's hard to put it into a box in that way when you have those those extremes going on within one movie yeah then and, and this movie is a lot of movie it is. It is. It is. It is. Not only is it two and a half hours long, but it is a dense two and a half hours. Um, so, yeah, I'm still kind of unpacking a lot of it, too. I'm definitely more on the side of um, I will say I think this movie was better than Force Awakens. OK. Um, and I think Force Awakens was better than or at least equal to Return of the Jedi. So that's where I'm kind of seeding it. And it's hard not to look at things in that perspective, but we've got such a spectrum of Star Wars movies from good to bad that it's kind of like, it's an easy, it's an easy kind of mental model here. So I think I know what scenes you're talking about that you think were bad. Um, and let me, let me see if I have this right. Is it the Finn and Rose subplot? Yeah. 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 And there's some stuff in the general story slash resistance plotline that I was kind of like, eh. 
Yes. Um, but most of the Finn and Rose subplot. And it's hard because I, I didn't, I actually liked Rose's character. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, I have an, a theory about Star Wars in general. When Star Wars fails, it is most often due to execution. Hmm. You're going to disagree with me probably, and we'll get back to this later. But so let's not dive old or divert too much into that area. But I think that a lot of this subplot was a lot of execution that just didn't work for me. I liked Rose. I liked what they were trying to do, but it all just fell flat. I think it felt like they had no idea what to do with Finn during this movie. He felt like a side character to me, which, you know, honestly, what he felt like the casino planet was a prequel planet for me. All fat, all flash, no substance. The save the animals plot point didn't stick. The master breaker plot, once again, interesting in concept, but poor execution. I know Benicio plays weirdos, but he didn't land for me. And the whole like, oh, look, you know, it's complex. Everyone's profiting from war. It's like, all right, fine. But where's the payoff? It's like Rogue, Rogue One-itis. We're going to, oh, yeah, the Rebels can be bad, too. Okay, and then what? Are you just telling me that? And then we're going back to the main plot line? Right. So I, I think that, and I think the critical consensus is that this subplot doesn't work on a number of levels. Um, I mean, part of the big complaint is that it all adds up to nothing. They go through and they chase down this whole MacGuffin for a plan that they end up not using, which is kind of in like the meta narrative of like, hey, this movie is also kind of a deconstruction of Star Wars movies. Like, all right, fine. But um, yeah, I think it didn't, it didn't work. And in a movie where uh, the whole plot is I'm supposed to care about the rebels and I'm supposed to want them to escape the the first order. This is probably not a great time to be like, well, you know, the rebels and the, you know, and the first order, like, they're both kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like, well, who do you want me to care about here? Movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that that was, a little rough. And also I think that those scenes were, they suffer by being put next to all of the, the Jedi scenes, right? Where your scenes with Ray and Kylo and, and Luke, like those are all so, 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 so good. And then you cut away to these like rebellion plots where you're just like, I don't really care. These are, you know, maybe if these things were their own movie, they would actually be kind of all right. They'd get like a B, B minus. But like here, when you put them next to this stuff, they look like a C or a D. Um, Yeah, I think that's definitely the case because I felt myself going like, can we just can we just go back to the fun stuff, like the cool stuff that's going down? And, you know, there's a minor pointer there. And I didn't minor point in that area. I didn't like as well. But I was waiting to get back to Ray and Luke and Kylo. Yeah, the. I feel like I feel like this movie and I think the modern run of Star Wars movies have a rebellion problem because they just don't know what to do with the rebellion. They don't they they know how to tell Jedi stories. And I think that's because so much of the Star Wars universe, you know, from episode one until today has been so focused on Jedi stuff and also just storyline wise when they made the decision to break up the band after episode six, it's kind of like, are we going to get the Jedi plot line with Luke and all them back together with the rebellion plot line in a way that we care about? But meanwhile, they have to be split up and it's just, I don't really care about the rebellion. I don't know what they're fighting for. 
Um, we don't know what they're fighting against. Like, we, who is the First Order? Where did they right. come from? Why are they here? No one knows. And like, they they seem bad because they look like the bad guys. Yeah, like they honestly they demonstrated. I mean, they blew up a whole bunch of stuff, and it just doesn't. Yes, that was the exact same situation in you know the original movies, but you can't just ape them because it was different. Like those were the originals. We already have established stuff. We've got ostensibly forty years of history now that we're dealing with, and. It was okay because they were the status quo, where in this new trilogy, the First Order are the, you know, the bad guys coming from another place. They're the invaders. And then now we have an invaders versus the resistance and the Republic's gone. And, and like, why? It just, it doesn't make, and that was my problem. Some of my problems with Force Awakens, but it, it sort of stumbles into this movie now, too, because it's like, okay, so now we even have lesser reason to know what's going on or care. And, you know, now if it's just that... Uh, the First Order is basically just Kylo Ren's army to go and conduct whatever his kind of secret plan is. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I'm fine with that. But it's just, it. I think it just adds up to a problem of these last two movies have not known what to do with the Rebellion. And it almost seems like, and I think that's a big part of what this movie is trying to do is move us away from the rebels versus empire, Jedi versus Sith light versus dark, move us away from that um, into different conflicts and different alignments, because otherwise we're going to end up telling the same story over and over and over and over again. And credulity starts to get strained because it's like how many times can they defeat the empire but then it comes back in a different form or how many times can the resistance dwindle down to 12 people and then they inspire the galaxy again like how many times can that happen um unless we kind of move away from that and i think that's one of the overarching themes of this movie i mean there's a lot about how this movie is in many ways a big middle finger to star wars that came before and maybe not necessarily, well, some of it is a disrespectful, fuck you, we made some bad decisions and we're, we're reversing them, uh, moves. And some of them are just some, we need to move on and, you know, break up some of the kind of existing plot structures here. Yeah. And that's, I like the subversion, the subversive nature of this movie. It was good. And, you know, the fact that the whole movie was themed and based around failure and, a, the consequences of failure, but also B, what you can then learn from that, how you can learn from failures and become a better person. You know, it's it falls in line with the idea of redemption, which is obviously a big part of the Star Wars lore and the kind of themes of Star Wars, at least in the original trilogy. So I think that it fits nicely next to that. And I thought that the thing is, I understood how each plot in the movie was supposed to, you know, Finn's failures, Poe's failures, Luke's failures. I, I saw how they were all supposed to line up but it was just an execution that some of it didn't sit for me. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, there are some things that just didn't, didn't quite land, but I don't think that when I think about like the internet outrage about this movie, I don't feel like that they're mad because, you know, Hey, there were a couple emotional beats that didn't quite land or, you know, eh, Finn's Finn's story was a little weak. I don't feel like those are the complaints that we're hearing. You're right. And I have theories, but we should, Finish our okay, okay. roundup. Sure, sure, um, sure. So, obviously, for me, based on what we've said so far, the Ray Kylo Luke stuff was the best part of this movie, and it was really when it, when it was 
in its stride. Yes. There are some exceptions here. Um, Luke milking a thing is weird. I never really going to get that visual out of my head. Um, I, I did not like some of the humor that was in this. Like when mm. Luke tossed the lightsaber, I was just like, uh, uh-uh, nope. Like you just ruined a scene that like brought me to tears. And I know this movie is supposed to be subversive. I get it. But like, you don't have to, you can subvert without like pulling the rug out from under me a little bit. Cause all I've been thinking about, I know. And then Grace pricing here, like, yes, this is exactly what I loved about it. But like, I've all been sitting here for two years is going, I want to know what happens next. It's going to be such this, this big thing between Luke and Ray and this, you know, this culmination. And I was just like, really shit. Uh, also Yoda scene, big no for me. Really big. No for me. Like a, it just didn't stick. Like Yoda felt like a caricature of Yoda to me for some reason. I don't know why. And maybe on second watching, it'll sit a little better, but like, plot reasonings like i don't really like force ghosts i said before in my episode that i'm glad that the odu ditched force ghosts because there's a lot of sort of um you know questions that get asked down the road like well how how long can they hang around for what what are they do they just are they just people now and then on top of that having them affect the physical world i was like oh no 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 we are going down a very scary route for the force in this movie in, in a couple places, but that was the one year I was just like, don't want this. So I liked the Yoda scene. Um, number one, I thought it was um, an excellent fuck you to the prequels to use puppet Yoda instead of CG Yoda. Um, they totally could have used CG Yoda might've actually worked out a little bit better for them. Yeah. I actually but... would have preferred it. I think I get why they did it, but I thought that I thought that by the end of the prequels, not when he's in combat and stuff, but when he was just walking around, I thought that they had done a pretty good job of capturing that in a way that, I don't know, this looks like a, a knockoff version of the puppet. Yeah, it almost looked like they they like, they like literally got the old prop that they used in the last movie. And then like just, colored it in with green sharpie. We're like, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, rather. But um, no, I liked Puppet Yoda. And, you know, I don't mind, you know, you said that, you know, Force Ghosts, they raised too many questions and then, oh, this, you know, now he's like summoning lightning with, and one of the things I liked about this movie and I like the direction that it seems to want to go is that it is making the force mysterious and mystical again in that, because I feel like there's a way you can do this where the force becomes like all codified and mapped out like a, D&D player's guide where it's like these are the things that a level four you know a, a Jedi apprentice can do and a Jedi master can do this if they've selected that skill tree and it's just like I like this I like I like the fact that like this movie surprises you with force stuff like because that makes the universe so much more interesting and makes the force so much more compelling than just like well you know, here's how it works and this is what it can do. And it's all about the, you know, the bugs in your blood. And, um, these are the people who can use it for anything significant. Everybody else can just kind of like, maybe they get a weird hunch of a feeling about something. But, um, I liked that it said like, that it said to everybody in the audience, like you thought you knew what the force was capable of. You're wrong. Like there is more to the force than what you've been exposed to in the previous movies. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited about the, the force side of the star Wars universe again, because it's like, 
it doesn't feel like video game powers anymore. It feels like a mystical thing again. I hear you, and I knew you were going to say that. It was literally, in, <laughs> in, it was literally in my notes for if we did a what did we each think of it like we usually do. Um, <laughs> we're starting to really know each other too well, I think. Um, I uh, I disagree a little bit, and we're going to come back to why though. Uh, I will say that I did like I like the expansion of the force in some ways, like Luke's projection. That scene mm-hmm. was fucking awesome. Yes, it was. Although I will, I felt real dumb today because my coworker was like, oh man, anyone who didn't know it was not him is an idiot. I was like, I guess I'm an idiot because I was just so into the movie at that point that I was just like, I wasn't noticing that he wasn't leaving red footprints and blah, blah, blah. Like, I was just like, not nah, Luke Skywalker is just this awesome. Yeah, like and- he's he's like, he's like, you know, Goku level now, you know, yeah. where, you know, lasers don't don't impact him and and i i was like as it was all happening i was like i had like goosebumps and i was like holy shit he's attained a whole new level of the force and he's like invincible now and this is awesome and then and then i was like and then they they surprised you again and were like yeah no he attained a whole new level of the force and is so much more awesome now um but he did it in a way that you totally didn't expect. Yeah. I do think that at first I was like, when they, you know, when Luke passes on, I was like, I was not, I'd like, was not okay with it, but I think it was just my initial knee jerk reaction of like, I want more awesome Luke Skywalker. That's exactly, exactly what I, well, the, the conclusion I came to is like, I feel bad about this. And at first I was like, man, they, you know, Luke shouldn't have gone out like that. And then I was like, no, that is exactly how Luke should have gone out. Exactly. Like, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Like, I'm sad that I don't get to see, like, more Luke Skywalker adventures, but that's just me being selfish. Like, this was the perfect way, like, he achieves oneness with the Force. Like, that's the other thing I was trying to explain to Karen, like, when I was talking about that. She was like, oh, does Luke die? And I'm like, well, Luke becomes one with the Force. She's like, oh, so he dies. I'm like, no, (laughs) like, he didn't really die. He just kind of became one with, and it was like... And for him to go out in this way where he is intentionally doing three things that are like, you know, one, he is embracing the idea that he is a legend and is an inspiration. So he goes out there and he does these miraculous looking things when he knows everyone is watching so that he can inspire them. He goes and he makes one more stab at, you know, um, trying to redeem Kylo Ren and he gives his friends time to escape. He does all of those things with this maneuver, but he does it in a way that is not um, Luke Skywalker action hero because he's not that guy anymore. And that's such, I mean like such a perfect end for his character. I mean, if anybody has a problem with that, they're out of their mind. I agree. And I think that, what I would have liked to have seen once again, we get to execution. I would have liked to have seen the ending of the movie re-edited a little bit. I think that cut the bat, the ending that we got about like, oh, there's other people out there in the rebellion and it's not just one person. Okay, fine, I get that. But like, I didn't think that ending stuck for me. The movie should have ended with Luke Skywalker staring into the twin sons and then passing on. And that's when it cuts. I agree. I think that's a, I think that's a better end. I think the idea, you know, of showing us a little kid with force powers, like that drives home the, 
a, a point about how um, uh, getting rid of this whole like it's not just about the it's not all about bloodlines and families and dynasties and certain very special people. It's about everybody. And like, I like that, but I also feel like we got that message when we found out that Ray wasn't anybody special. Yeah. Like, I feel like we didn't need that extra little reminder at the end. Right. And speaking of that, that was awesome. I mean, the, the Ray Ben solo stuff, the way they talk to each other and their journey together. One thing I loved about this movie was that, I really didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah, me neither. I was just like, he could turn, she could turn, they could switch. Finn might, in that scene, like, I, Finn might die. Like, I really just, like, I don't know what's going to happen in any of these scenes. Because, like, I don't really know. Like, they're introducing other side characters that seem like they're putting, I don't know. Like, I just didn't really know. And I thought that was really well done because that throne room scene, Oof. you know, was amazing. And I really just didn't know it was going to happen by the end of that. I didn't know who was going to emerge from that room alive or on what side they were going to be. And that was a good place to be where, you know, in the past, you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. Most movies are like, oh, well, this is the part where I don't know me the exact mechanics, but so-and-so is going to win the day and or, right. or, you know, realize the error of their ways and move on. I'm just, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Like this movie made it very, it made the, the entire time like you were, it was a very real outcome that Ray could go dark side or that Kylo Ren could go light side. Like, there was very real possibility at every step of this. Like I, I knew neither one was going to like die, but like the fact that, um, that you really didn't know how it was going to go and watching it all go down was so amazingly done. Like just the, you know, the way it was shot, it's beautiful to watch. Um, it, you get the feeling that yes, Jedi are like murder machines, but, they're also not invincible and you know these you know praetorian guards or whatever they are like hey you know with the right training and the right tools jedi aren't invincible they're a lot better than the average guy but they're not kind of godlike and the only people who can take on jedi are sith like we saw in in the prequels like uh, man that was such a great scene and then to be intercut with the um kind of narratively weird but visually impressive um, light speed kamikaze run and the anime ass like oh yeah cut to black and white like see the cut from like three different angles like <laughs> that was so good even though and then it doesn't make a lick of sense how like in the hangar bay all of the stormtroopers somehow get knocked out but <laughs> Finn and Rose are still fine like whatever no there I mean that scene was was beautiful but you know. I like it was it's just like, whoa, wait, what? Like, <laughs> because so lots of things here. First off, why did it cut every ship in the fleet directly in half? It was definitely like an anime thing. Like, just like, you know, and you see like the like and that that's what happens and people, you know, get slide in half or whatever. Oh, and I, I, thought, I think it was purposeful, but I thought it was just the the it was just Snoke's ship. No, it you was like every from... ship in the fleet got cut in half. If you look at the, I watched the scene, really? I saw it, found it somewhere, and like, yeah, every other, all the triangles get cut like different way. Oh, triangles, the star destroyers with different shapes and sizes, like get cut. I'm like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. And then, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the weeds here a little bit because yeah. I have to. Uh, this is the second movie now where they've taken. So, this is a problem. To your point, a couple weeks ago. 
the Star Wars universe doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense. No. <laughs> and the problem is you can you can get around that by just not bringing it up. And I would have thought that the guy who handled time travel, which never makes a lick of sense in Looper, by just not bringing it up and ignoring it, calling out the movie like we're just not going to talk about it, would understand that. <laughs> that like you open up a lot of plot holes isn't the right word, but like I guess plot holes, sure. That like hold up, but but why didn't so like a couple things first? The end of the Force Awakens evolved involved a using light speed in a different way. The ending of this movie now has used has revolved around using light speed in a different way. Huh. And this is a thing that has been previously entirely ignored. Here's how light speed works. It's fast and light travel. Doesn't make any sense. It just works. And no one talks about it. One binding rule in the old EU and maybe in the new EU, but not really, is that you can't do it too close to a planet because of the gravity of the planet doesn't let you achieve the speeds or whatever you need to do to break out of it. It's a balancing factor to just let people not do what the Falcon did in The Force Awakens, which I hated. Similarly, people usually have ships called interdictors that make gravity wells to prevent this sort of thing from happening within a battle. We've never seen this happen before. Great, it's a new idea. But for her to do that, just sort of screams like, well, why didn't you, why weren't you do that in the first place? If you already know you're going to sacrifice a ship at any point in a battle, like why aren't people just fleeing their ships? Like when you're going down, just like hit the lights, we thing and see what happens. Right. Maybe cause it's really chaotic as we saw what happened that like wrecked half the fleet and you can't really control it maybe. But I just felt that this opens a can of worms or continues to open this can of worms that I just don't, don't care for. <laughs> so Plus, like I you think said, why is that the ship? Like it got cut in half, but not the half that our heroes are in. Like, I think, I mean, so there are certain things that I give that I have to step back and say, like, all right, yeah, the dumb coincidences of sure worked out well for that person. And, um, you know, in that moon sized base, it sure was handy that um, the Falcon landed in a place that was easy enough for Ben to walk to the Death Star core. <laughs> like, you know, like there are certain things where it's like, no, it's Star Wars. You, you know, there's a. The expectation is, you know, um, you know, that there are some plot conveniences and a lot of people don't necessarily make great decisions. Um, you know, they, they sometimes do stupid things to move the plot, plot forward. But the Vice Admiral Holdo or Hondo or whatever, um, her plot line was a little frustrating because, like, you know that this Poe guy is a hothead. Um, on the verge of mutiny, why wouldn't you sit him down and say, listen, my plan is to get us close to crate and then I'm going to send out cloaked transports. It's going to be fine. And that's how we're going to get to crate. Their attention's going to be on the main ship and we'll sacrifice the main ship to get to the planet. Why wouldn't you just tell this guy who you know is a potential mutineer, tell him that even when they're all standing there by the things and he's like, they're going to get shot down. And she's like, get on them anyway. That's a great time to say, don't worry, dude, they're cloaked. And we're also, by the way, we're going to use the, you know, the flagship as a kamikaze, like, I don't, you know, cool. But also why would you, I mean, honestly, if you're going to use the thing as a kamikaze, your admiral might not have to be the one <laughs> To yeah. press the lever like she's probably valuable at this stage maybe you could find some other red shirt willing to volunteer for that so that stuff is a little bit like but again i look at that and i'm saying wait a lot of that kind of stuff 
in the in episodes four, five, and six, we gave them a pass. You're because it's right. supposed to be epic storytelling. And, you know, we, you know, if we and I'm not saying that in no movie should we look at character decisions in the light of the context and say, like, that's a that's clearly a plot decision. Character is not is acting out of character to serve the plot. You know, these movies, we've been giving them a pass. I don't know why we have to stop giving them a pass for this stuff here. I felt it was a little clunky because it just kind of felt I think that whole plot line felt a little clunky and sluggish. And it felt like it was really just kind of spinning its wheels, treading water until, you know, they got to the final showdown, until the other pieces got into place for the final showdown. And I think that might be what frustrated me more than just like, some of these things don't completely add up. And yeah, if... So my understanding of faster than light travel in Star Wars was always that it was some kind of hyperspace thing, that they were going into some kind of subspace situation and then arriving you know, in where they went. It wasn't actual faster than light point to point travel because, and evidently that's the way it is fine. But, um, cause I think they used the word hyperspace in the first. Yeah. So I, I don't was think always that meant the, anything like, yeah. to people in the seventies. Fine. Which is fine. I just always figured it was, it was kind of like Star Trek warp speed where you're not actually moving from point to point. You're folding space and punching through. Um, it is point to point, I think. And, um, at least it was, and this obviously shows that it is. And also, because people have talked about, at least in old EU stuff, like there's hyper hyperspace lanes and like, you know, lanes of traffic and things that people use. I think it's one of the things where like you, you like can't run into each other's ships potentially, or like space is so big that the odds are just incredibly slim that you will. Yeah. But you could run into planets or suns and things like that if you didn't or, get your calculations correct or whatever. Or, or a tiny piece of debris. And if you're moving at relativistic velocities, but anyway, if so, if that's the case, that's the way FTL transport works. Like, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and it's Star Wars. I'm not supposed to be pulling these things apart, but like, she can't be the first person that's thought of using a relativistic kill vehicle at this point. Like, you know, or, or turning that into a weapon of some kind. <laughs> right. Like, strapping an FTL engine onto just a big rock is just, you know, yeah. makes a pretty effective weapon. Um, and but, along those lines, like, I just feel like the I, the setting of this movie is being, like, one big chase scene. And, yeah. you know, the way it started off was really cool. The first battle was pretty neat. But this is this is where, like I said, the Star Wars universe doesn't make any sense. And that's okay if we can sort of just keep it to the side. But when you make a lot of the plot machinations about things like shields and relative speed and distance yes. and, like, power and you're not consistent with that, it really hurts a movie for me, at least. No, as I think who cares about those things. I think that's an excellent point. I think that normally in a Star Wars movie, all this stuff about shield strength and cannon range and all that stuff wouldn't give a shit. But they made it an issue because you're right. It was the central mechanic for the rebellion plot. And they, they got out the magnifying glass and showed us this nonsense and now they forced us to look at it. Um, and I, and I think that there were probably easier ways to set this up and you can still have it kind of be a chase. Now I know you'd be ripping off the first couple episodes of Battlestar. If it was something like we're going to jump and they're going to be right behind us and then we're going to jump again and they're going to be right behind us. And, you know, um, 
we have we only have so many jumps left. I hope that buys us enough time to for Ray to get back here with Luke or whatever. Um, I just feel like this slow chase because also okay, so you're just fast enough to stay out of range of their like the cannons that can actually damage your shields. Fine. Then why are they still lobbing the big green balls at your shields? They know it doesn't work, and you know it doesn't work. Like, what? Why are you doing this? There's even a line about that in the movie. Like, ah, just do it anyway. And it's like, okay, (laughs) why? (laughs) Also, like, there's a scene in the movie where you know, once again, to like, how do how do small starfighters like you know play into this factor? Like, clearly they can sort of get past shields between the big capital ships. Okay, that's fine. We've seen that in other movies. You know why not just send the TIE fighters to finish it off? Like we just saw Kylo blow up the fucking bridge. Well, he didn't do it, but the other two TIE fighters did when the shields were up and you were equidistant away. The TIE fighters aren't fast enough to catch it. Now we've been just been told that the little, little fighters are faster, more maneuverable than the big ones. Right. So, and if they can get past the shields, what's stopping every starfighter from just being like, why, why are they keep being surprised when like little starfighters keep doing so much damage to these ships? And it's like, <laughs> or bring in, or bring in some, uh, Star Destroyers, have them just go faster than light to onto the other side and pop back in and just surround them. Like they're not, they're moving at sub light speed, which means you could send some light speed guys out and, you know, catch them at the pass. So, and again, this feels nitpicky, but also you're right. They chose to make this the central component of, you know, how the chase was going to work. So, you know, this is on them for not having it totally work. Right. And one thing, one other minor complaint, and this is just like, this is really minor and this is just me, but I wish the fleets would have been bigger. Like, I think that in the first opening scene, like the bombing run was cool and all that. I was kind of into that. And like the individual perspective, Ex- except, except how are you dropping bombs? Yeah. Okay. Right. I know. It's- anyway. All right. Let's just assume the ships are big enough to have a gr- significant gravity. Well, where right. the bombs are magnetized. I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry. Nitpicking. It is dumb. And it's like, why, why is, why is your technologically advanced ship is like a button on a box that's attached to a cord? Like, no, I know that, Star is Wars some, a little... that is some Star Wars ass nonsense. It is some Star Wars shit. That, I was um, fine with that. I was like, that is exactly right. <laughs> but like, I think it would have been cool to like show a bigger resistance fleet that gets kind of shredded in the beginning of that fight. Cause like still to this day, one of my, one of the reasons that return of the Jedi was one of my favorite like movies growing up was the fleet battle at the end of that movie is just unsurpassed seeing all the, the big, all the rebellion ships and they're all different shapes and sizes. And then seeing like the uniform nature of the Imperial fleet with the one superstars, it just was such a cool dichotomy. And this, you know, we have the effects on do so much more. And I didn't like some of the capital ship battles in the prequels because I don't know, like Lucas decided to make them look like cannons and like you people like dropping shells out of them. It's like, that's not how guns in space work. We've never seen anything like that. <laughs> and just, they're so focused on, you know, Anakin and stuff that I just didn't like them, but the rogue one battle was cool. And I wanted a little bit more of that in this, as opposed to just the big long chase scene and focusing on the little fighters, but that's just me minor complaint. So that was our review. Oh, well, a couple more things for me. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I can fully wrap up quite yet. Either. Yeah, uh, the comedy in this mostly sucked. To me, it was a mix of things from the prequels and things from the Marvel movies. And Star Wars isn't Marvel. Stop trying to make it Marvel. It's OK to be different. I know it works for Marvel and I like Marvel, but don't don't force the model. <laughs> also, Akbar should have had a bigger role and not have died in that scene. And I think Akbar should have been the one to I like the What was her name? 
Admiral, whatever. I don't know the actress's name either, but Laura, Laura Dern. Yeah, like I liked her character. I think she was a cool addition, but I just think that I don't know. Everyone likes Akbar, and he should have had like a bigger role in the movie, not just die like yes. a. Oh God, that he should have. If, if if you're gonna put him in, right, he should have been the one piloting the ship into the exactly into the thing at the end. Like how, how awesome would it have been to see like Akbar like you know just staring into the ship and like hitting that button to I don't know. It just would have been a good another good piece of symmetry of like another old hat handing off the reins right yeah and he could have said it's a trap <laughs> something <laughs> of that, that effect um yeah i i agree i think that could have been a better could have been handled a little bit better but i i'm i'm warmer on the humor i think than you i think there were some times when it felt a little out of place but i also think that um there were also some places where i'm like that good that is a refreshing take on because all the humor in the prequels was just like baby slapstick nonsense and the humor in the original movies was more the interplay between the characters they were kind of riffing on each other and mm -hmm. sniping at each other um and the nature of this i mean and and this was kind of the same way although i think it was more they were kind of riffing on the situation a little bit more than riffing on each other, but that makes sense because he's, they don't really have established relationships yet. So I was fine with the, with the humor where, where it was. Some of it did feel a little jarring. There were some other weird moments like, and this is nitpicky, but you know, where like Poe's driving that like beat up old speeder on the salt planet and something breaks off and he says, what the hell? And I'm like, do they say hell in Star Wars? Yeah, also Godspeed. Why would they say that in this movie? Like, I mean, I guess gods are a thing, but it just felt really jarring when you said, like, Godspeed. I'm just like, what? Yeah, that <laughs> felt a little out of place. But you know what? I'm not going to... Uh, I, I think all in all, this is, despite all of these little nitpicky criticisms, and I think, you know, we get out the magnifying glass for Star Wars because um, it's something we hold very dear to ourselves. Um, and I think when we talk about where we think the other reactions are coming from, we're probably getting into this more, but like Star Wars means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And part of that is because Star Wars has been a lot of different things over the years. So um, it's going to be hard to get everything right and, you know, kind of be everything to everyone. But this might be one of my most favorite Star Wars movies. Like this this is the first Star Wars movie um, that, you know, a new Star Wars movie that makes me feel something other than just nostalgia. Because that's really all uh, Force Awakens did. Was it, you know, made me feel, you know, the excitement of watching an exciting movie, but also like the nostalgia of, hey, it's Star Wars that feels like Star Wars again. I remember being a child and liking Star Wars. This actually like has an emotional weight and complexity and subtlety to it that no other star Wars movie since, you know, probably empire has managed to land. And, um, I am, I'm putting it, you know, it is very high on my list of star Wars movies, despite its flaws. I'm, I'm really eager. And this has been a lot of people's reaction is, you know, see it again, maybe even another, you know, two or three times more to really digest it and understand it. Cause I, even today I was trying to, work on some notes for this. And I was just like, I still don't know how I feel about this all together. Uh, I will say that I, don't, I think I'm a little harder on it than you just because it's certain things that, like you said, uh, Star Wars is very different for a lot of different people. 
but it, it's just hard for me because there's there's moments that made me swell with emotion and excitement and just like a beautiful cinematic work like how how awesome was that last battle with Oof. the red and oh it was so cool so unique a great idea i just really thought it was and cool. so poetic that okay so obviously there's going to be comparisons to empire right um but that one opens on empire opens on hoth the, the ice planet and this ends on another white planet but it's really a desert oh man and the fact that it's you know a complete reversal of the hoth fight where you know the plucky rebels figure out how to beat the you know maybe not beat but you know stall the empire and in this one they just get shredded because <laughs> yeah. they're just like in these junky things that can't do anything they don't even make a dent like they don't do anything to those any of those yeah walkers that just it's unstoppable although it is big question mark of like how this ground is awesome ground force got assembled from the you know shredded fleet after the hyperspace but anything and we'll just ignore that for now but uh yeah so I, i'm excited to see it again i'll be seeing it with my mom for sure and probably another time because movie pass will just go as many times as i want to until i define <laughs> how i feel until they stop you oh can i tell you my funny story about for the, for the listeners about how oh, i yeah i i so i you know got my ticket for 11 p.m opening night because that's what was available with movie pass since i had to buy it the day of went and bought my ticket ahead of time like a responsible adult I had had a few drinks, so I came home and lay down and take a nap before the movie, set my alarm, woke up at about 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> Just as the credits were finishing. <laughs> Pretty much. So angry and sad because I had to wait. I ended up, uh, you know, seeing it the next day. But I was just, uh, my my. I think my anticipation was broken a little bit by my mistakes. So Yeah, I, I saw it in the front row. Um because uh, that was all that it was available. It was the only, you know, it was reserved seating. And unless I wanted to go to like an 11 o'clock show, I was like, well, this is what I can get. And I didn't want to go to an 11 o'clock show. And I was also seated next to uh, four, I don't know. I mean, I didn't check their IDs. I don't know that they were teenagers, but they sure should acted like teenagers and had running commentary going the whole fucking time. Oh, that's your favorite. Um, and I even shushed them but it didn't take. So I, <laughs> I definitely want to see, I definitely want to see it again. Well, honestly, like, okay. And, no, and, I and I mean, the, I, I want the level of shittiness about this. It's not just, you know, when like somebody leans over and says like, is that the guy from before, you know, to the person next to them, you know, like this was, I shit you not during the scene of where the, of the, you know, uh, Leia's dead fake out. The one dude was saying full volume for the whole theater to hear, this hurts, dude, this hurts. Like, 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 and clearly like putting on a show for the theater yeah. so that they Ugh. knew what this chuckle fuck in the front row thought of everything. Ugh. But, um, sorry, so, but it was happening at like, you know, and I don't mind like people reacting to comedy or like big action moments or big surprises, but like, Dude, this is clearly an emotional beat of the movie. Let the rest of us fucking process it, you asshole. Anyway, so I didn't have a great time. I want to see it again because I like this movie and want to kind of, like you say, kind of process it some more, unpack it some more. But also, I'd like to see it in more favorable conditions. What did you think of that scene, by the way? It's a very divisive scene of Leia. Um, I think it was very, very good. Um, I think that it will lose a little bit of emotional weight further down, you know, in history when people get a little bit more removed and it becomes more of just a historical trivia footnote of like, oh yeah, the actress died 
before this movie mm -hmm. came out. So this, you know, this was this has a lot of emotional weight for people who at the time were still kind of grieving her death. So that's going to go away a little bit, but but showing that somebody else can do force stuff is it was an important beat in this movie. Yeah, I think that it could have looked a little better, but I didn't mind the actual plot plot point. Yeah. Um I will say my my flag is still in the ground that I think and I know they're not going to do this, but I think the best course of action should be to do a tasteful recast because I don't think yes, having agreed. her die off screen is is justice because I think the symmetry of these movies of the first movie being a movie for Han and the second movie being a movie for Luke and the third movie being a Le movie for Leia. I think that's it's hard to break that. And I know yes. that I know details can change and things get rewritten. And that's I understand that there's not some pre-existing notion out here but the fact that you're hearing oh she was supposed to have such a big role and the things that happen in this movie just make me go like it just makes it much more important yeah. that she's there and i'm just gonna i know people are saying maybe they're gonna do like a time skip and maybe jump ahead like five years or something i don't know but i'm just i still feel that way and i've gotten some pretty furious discussions about it but people just disagree but i'm still my flag is still planted in, right there in that that spot yes i i i think that you need to give and I, I, you know, I said this back when, you know, we when we were first talking about Carrie Fisher's death, but like Carrie Fisher would very much like the idea of another older actress getting work in Hollywood and carrying on this role. And I think she believes enough in the character that it's important that the character gets the ending the character get, deserves as opposed to um, some kind of weird you know, oh, it can only be Carrie Fisher and you can't, you know, that's just weird and dumb. I think, I think they need, they should do a recast. And I think Sigourney Weaver is a great pick. Be down for that. Be down for that. So shall we move on to meta, meta discussion? Yeah. So you, you touched on it earlier. But what I wanted to say is that it has become both from our past two episodes and people's reactions to those two episodes, which are, uh, you got a lot of thoughts, Greg. <laughs> of course there are. Um, and, you know, and then it, the icing on the cake is is this reaction to this movie is that, yeah, I think exactly what you said. Star Wars people. So there's two things. There's two ways to judge this movie. And there's two types of criticism I've seen. There's mechanical criticism, which much of it I agree with. Some things that didn't stick, humor that didn't stick, weird pacing at points, you know, like the plot lines not being the strongest in some areas. That's one way to criticize a movie. The other criticized movie is the stuff happened that you didn't like that happened. Plot points, plot beats, things that you weren't expecting, things that you wanted to see that didn't happen. And because everyone has such a different view of what Star Wars is, because I, I had the own realization where how how fiercely and how much I reacted to the Yoda scene. I was just like, oh, I hated that. Like, why are they bringing in Force Ghosts? And I had this sort of crystallization in my mind that like, Oh, I get it. I don't really like the force as a, as magic mm. to me. Star Wars is a sci-fi story and that's why some of the world building in the prequels, not midichlorians, that's too much. But the fact that overall, overall force power use was pretty consistent in the prequels and it didn't bother me that that was the case and they didn't have force ghosts and Jedi were just like more, you know, they can move faster and they're stronger and they're quicker and they get some telepathy and some telekinesis. And maybe a little bit of premonition, which can be where the sort of gray area is. And that's how a lot of the old EU kind of handled the force as well. So for me, that's what I think and expect. And even though I know that 
There's Force Ghosts throughout episodes five and six playing a role in the movie, important roles. I almost blank it out in my head because there's an explanation for me. And similarly, I talked to people and what they were expecting to happen. I wanted to see, you know, Luke Skywalker do more or that's not how that's not what Luke Skywalker would do. Those kind of comments you hear a lot. Yes. He would never do X, Y, Z. He would never say this or that. And it's like, man, we only saw him for three movies. How do you know how Luke Skywalker is going to react? Right. Like, it's it's and a also, weird. The time we spent with Luke Skywalker in those movies was like three years. It's been 30 years or 40 years since you saw him. Like, dude can change. Right. So I think that people need to separate their mechanical criticisms, which are probably fair, and their this isn't what they were expecting or wanting, which is okay. To not to not have it align with that and to be up to be not as happy with it. But I think that the vitriol with we're seeing people express that opinion and declaring this movie is garbage or whatever, it is not it's not the same. Just it's not the movie you wanted. Like start like to quote Neil Gaiman about George R. R. Martin, like Star Wars isn't your bitch. <laughs> and Ryan Johnson <laughs> kind of showed it in this movie, right? Like he showed that he wanted something different and he did. And for better or worse, I don't know, but I do think it's interesting how how different Star Wars is for people and how it represents different things for different people. Well, and I think that you have something this big, and I think part of it is because depending on where you spent the most of your most time with Star Wars fiction, it's gonna impact like what you think Star Wars should be. Like, and you, you know, I'm guessing because you, you know, steeped in the expanded universe. And the kind of the way this, the shape the Star Wars universe took in that, you know, more of an organized, explained, um, you know, systematized uh, thing, not a lot of mystery and mysticism. Um, so for you, the mystical, mysterious elements here, like force ghosts and, you know, previously unexplained force powers, you're like, what the fuck is this? This doesn't fit into my well-ordered, well-explained Star Wars universe. Whereas for me, you know, growing up with just the original films and very little supporting material, Star Wars was mysterious and mystical and, you know, full of old dead religions and magic and prophecy not even prophecy, really. That was more of a prequel thing. But like, so for me, I watched this and all that mystical stuff. And I'm like, yep, let's do this. Yep. Oh, of course, of course, Force Ghost Yoda can do lightning. Why not? Um, <laughs> but I can also see how someone who, you know, their Star Wars experience is kind of rooted in the prequels and maybe the Clone Wars cartoons and those sorts of things, how they're going to have a different perspective. And they're not going to like the fact that now all of a sudden light side, dark side, Jedi Sith is becoming all kind of muddled and mangled. And, you know, Luke Skywalker is a Jedi and he's a Jedi master and a Jedi master would never even think of killing one of his Padawans. Right. So for you, there's some blasphemy here. And that's because there has been at least three different kinds of, this is what star Wars is just like, the Simpsons, you know, your definition of what a great Simpsons episode is, is really kind of based on like, what were the Simpsons doing around the time you came into it? Because different eras of the Simpsons exist. And, you know, if you latched onto the Simpsons in the 2000s, you're going to have a very, def very different perception of like peak Simpsons than somebody like me who came up on the Simpsons in the 90s. And I think it's the same way with Star Wars. So I think there's a lot of people on on the internet who, you know, this this kind of 
planted a stake in the ground of this is what this is the version of Star Wars we are moving forward with. It's a little bit more mystical. It's a little more touchy feely. Um, characters are a little more conflicted and ambiguous. And for a lot of people, that's, you know, it's going in a direction that they don't necessarily like, but that's the nature of this thing. You know, that, that as Disney moves forward and tries to solidify what Star Wars is going forward, there are going to be people who are going to get left behind. And that is a shame for them, I guess. Um, I would say they like a bad version of Star Wars, but, um, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's, you know, I think it's a shame, but I also think it's inevitable. I mean, like when it's so big and broad and there's so many different versions of what Star Wars is to people, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You have to pick a course somewhere unless you just make super dumbed down movies, which to me sort of Force Awakens falls in that car. It's, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of everything. Well, and I didn't, you know, I have a lot of issues with that movie and I still like it, but. And I think that there wasn't as much backlash to that because all Force Awakens had to do was not be a garbage fire. Yeah. And people were going to love it. And I, I think that, you know, it's a well-made movie. There are, of course, criticisms, just like there's criticisms of, of this movie. Um, but it is a total nostalgia trip. Mm-hmm. And um, it stays out of anything prequely. Whereas this movie, man, there are some there are some scenes which is a blatant fuck you to the prequels. Like there's basically, also some, but there's also some like you know like yeah, prequels exist. Luke Skywalker says the words Darth Sidious. How much did yeah, you I, hate that? I I I was upset. I was upset. <laughs> but like that whole that that's the speech I'm talking about, where he basically says, um, when I find out when I found out about what the Jedi's got up to in the prequels, I decided I didn't want to be a fucking Jedi anymore. Like basically, yeah. like like that's such a fuck you to the prequels of saying like, no, that was bad stuff, and the. You know, a, a huge narrative thrust of this movie was getting away from midichlorians without saying midichlorians, getting away from it entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that I think it's going to have an effect that's I would describe as like rerouting a river or putting a dam up. Like, I think it'll be OK in the long run. I think everyone's going to be OK, Greg. Uh, I think that, you know, it's the river is going a different direction than what people initially thought. And that causes a lot of changes in the landscape. But I think it'll even out and be OK. I think that, I mean, a lot of people, I wasn't there, I guess neither of us were, but a lot of people say that the initial reactions to Empire Strikes Back were pretty, pretty mixed. Yeah, I bet. And a lot of people hated Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So to your point about, you know, being very generational, because even talking amongst, you know, we've seen the differences between you and I, but even I was talking to a coworker and, you know, he was saying, I was like five when the prequels came out. So like the prequels are just as much Star Wars to me as the originals yeah. are for better or worse. And it's like, yeah, I see that. And I mean, if you were, me, like, I was 10. So, but if you, but if you were a younger kid, when those came out, those movies are great for kids. Mm-hmm. Kids love those movies because they're made for, for, for babies. Um, but yeah, I think that, I mean, if this is the direction of star Wars going forward, sign me up. I'm very much looking forward to episode nine where Ray and Kylo bang. <laughs> uh, I, once again, I was very interested to see what was going to happen there because they could have emerged from that room, brother and sister. They could have emerged from that room, lovers. They could have emerged from that room, you know, hating each other. And I would have been like, yeah, any of those things would have happened potentially. Oh, they're so, going to they're going to bone down next time. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I thought that I, I thought that what was driving 
my initial like, oh, because we talked about it so much and it's been such a theory that, you know, she's his sister mm -hmm. was that that when he when Kyla said, I saw your parents, I thought that was what was pushing him to kill Snoke. And, you know, turn was that he has a sister and he didn't know about her. And that was what was going to push their bond together. But then when it when they pulled the rug out again and it wasn't that and it was just he just likes her, essentially. Um, can we just take a moment to say, like, Adam Driver is awesome? Yeah, man. He, like, he's just crushed it. He, uh, I, I, it's amazing how good of a job he did and Hamill did as well. I, I, yeah. I mean, um, you know, th those are two very standout performances. Um, and, you know, Adam Driver, you can be like, look, this is a guy, he's kind of coming into his own as an actor and, you know, um, he's got a big meaty role to, to work with. And, um, uh, but they added so many more depths, layers of depth to his character. And so much of that just came out from his performance, but also Mark Hamill. I mean, he's not in his prime as an actor. He hasn't really done. I mean, he's done a lot of great voiceover work. Um, but you could say, Look, this is an older actor, a little rusty, might be phoning it in a little bit, Harrison Ford. Um, but, you know, I mean, even just there's the scene when they do the little, how did it all go with the um, old Jedi Temple thing? And you see the three different, the whole Rashomon, three different versions. Like the one that you get from Kylo's perspective, just the look in, well, just the power of those three scenes is all in Mark Hamill's face. Yeah. That, that there is that, that everything is just, you know, in his face. And does he look scared? Does he look confused? Does he look, you know, uh, murderous? It's all right there on his face. And he does such a perfect job throughout the whole thing. And, oh man, I, so good. So good. And for to get back to that, I agree. And to get back to Adam Driver, I think that for me, Kylo's like motivations are a little bit like vague. It's just like, why is he he's so angry? We learned a little about this movie, but like it didn't matter because it's just like, yeah, he's filled with hate. I mean, and he expresses that in every scene that he's in. And he not only does he hate everyone around him, he hates himself. He yes. hates everything he's done. And you can see it in every scene he's in, which I think just drives porn. It's like, I don't even know what this, his, his motivation is hate. And that sounds yes. like a stupid motivation, but his, his performance brings it to not be stupid yes. for me. It, it's clear that his, that going forward, his plan is to burn everything to the ground and build something new on top of it. And it's not like just that kind of cartoonish. Some men want to watch the world burn, you know, dark night nonsense. It's like, he genuinely, he has such a problem with his own history, his own life story, and the world that he lives in, that he genuinely just wants to start everything over again. And you're like, I, I get that. that. That is clear and makes sense. It's negative and a little bit crazy, but you're like, it has a logic to it. Yeah, kill the past. Um, I, I do think that I, I would be completely signed up for, and I know that Sometimes going and filling in gaps with movies is not the best, but to placate this, this part of me that was really sad about this being the end of Mark Hamill, although I assume we'll see him as a force ghost in the next oh, movie, yes, yes. Uh, is can we just get a movie of like how he projected himself on just some random adventure? I, I would watch that because like he looked awesome. He looked, you know, the way they make him look a little younger 
and they, you know, he injected himself all clean cut and everything. Maybe t- maybe ten pounds later. Maybe ten pounds later. Yeah. Cool outfit. Like, yeah, I want to see just like I don't know, just give me like a, a forty-five minute movie of Luke Skywalker on some little venture, maybe like ten years before this movie took place. Fifteen years. Man, they the and the way that they uh like the pacing of that reveal of the projection like was so good because they were giving you just enough information as it went where you were starting to be like, wait, this doesn't wait. Why doesn't wait? Didn't what well, he saws the blue lightsaber. Why didn't what? And then like, just as you start to be like, well, this is stupid. You're like, Oh, he's a ghost. Oh, like just that pacing of like Ryan Johnson knew exactly how long it was going to take for you to pick up on all the little clues of how this doesn't quite make sense. Like, yeah, how did he get here in through the back door? Like, you know, like just enough time for you to put those pieces together during this really cool, you know, anime style fight scene with all the, you know, squaring off and then the rush and the dodge and then squaring off again. Like, but like <laughs> pacing that out just so that your brain has enough time to disengage and start to be like, wait, the blue lightsaber got torn in half in the last scene. And you're like, like you said, like, he doesn't seem to be leaving any footprints. But then they just, oh, so well done. Anyway. Greg, I'm glad you liked it. I did like it. And I'm I, I'm very excited for episode nine, even though I kind of feel like Ryan Johnson gave a big middle finger to J.J. Uh, Abrams of like, I've left you no story to work with. <laughs> I've left you no cliffhangers, guy. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I, I sort of felt that way, too. This movie kind of felt like an end in some ways. Um I'm curious to see, based on this, what Ryan Johnson's trilogy will look like. I'm a little nervous because I feel like he did the best with the main Skywalker storyline and not so good with the other stuff, like we mentioned. And it makes me nervous for a whole other route bout of world build, world building somewhere else in the galaxy. But I'm 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 in though. I'll, I'm gonna yeah, check I, it out. I. He's he's got my money. If there's a Star Wars spinoff, I'm going to see it's whatever his first one is. But I think that um, it it's the Casino Planet is that's your preview of what he's going to do next. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if Benicio del Toro's character is 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 a central character to his new trilogy. Oh, I didn't like him. I didn't. I didn't care for him. You put Benicio del Toro on a screen. I'm going to be happy. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. Uh, I'm really curious to see how this pans out with the the rest of the world and the internet and if things sort of rubber band back to a status quo of a consensus of some kind because right now it's everywhere i think there are going to be a lot of people who decide they're done with star wars but i think that was that's going to be a natural fallout um because i also think though that like disney i mean they're not gonna like people like oh i hope this doesn't affect the next movie and that they go back to being really safe and it's like disney don't give a damn like is a star wars movie ever not going to make a hundred bazillion dollars. They, no, like <laughs> they, they're doing very, very well right now. They're going to be fine. Yeah. So. All right, guy. Well, uh, are you going to see it again soon? I'm going to see it on Thursday <laughs> and then I'm probably going to see it on like, I don't know, Friday and then maybe like Tuesday. No, I don't know. We'll see, but definitely, definitely Thursday with my mom. So, all right. All right. Yeah. I think I'm going to see it after the, after the holiday, a couple days off. I might, uh, Go check out another showing. Do it. All right, guy. May the force be with you always. Oh, yeah, you too.